Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station Joy 94.9. Hello, this is Miriam Margulies, and you are listening to Joy 94.9. Hello, and welcome to Being There Done That on Joy 94.9. It's Chris here. And with me in the studio on this lovely holiday is Gordon. Hello, Gordon. Good afternoon or good evening or good night or whatever you want to That's say. right. Good. <laughs> Greetings. Greetings. How, how polite of you. Well, I don't know what time of day it is. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't you glad? Oh, it's all over. It's, it's all, all over. over. Yes, we've still got the, the one, more, one more celebration to go at the beginning of the uh, new year. The beginning of the new calendar the year. The new calendar year, yes. Is that That's your right. big bang theory? That's my Big Bang Theory, yes, yes. That's what I... Fireworks. That's, that's what, oh, right. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Thank you for being with us. Yes. We're, we're on our last gasp. We we're, do hope that people had a great time over the Christmas oh, break, of course, don't we? It, it, hopefully, those who were able to share the time with friends and relatives and family had a nice time. But we also remember those people who uh, felt themselves rather estranged from the whole process. Mm-hmm. That and, happens a lot, uh, it, of course. It does happen a lot. And I think if you've actually had two or three Christmases on your own, you get over it and you just treat it like another day and get on with it. You might have a small celebration on your own, but it doesn't worry you eventually. No, no, not at all, really. But uh, often, so in, in certain, lots of cases, Christmas Day is always a, a day fraught with disaster because there are a lot of things happen when people start drinking and uh, drunks and babies tell the truth and all of a sudden you finish up with lots of family fights. Imagine what you'd get out of a drunk baby. <laughs> oh, well, no... <laughs> Actually, no, don't imagine it because it wouldn't be very attractive. It wouldn't be very attractive. No, <laughs> it would be highly liquid. Yes, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. We've just last week before Christmas, we actually saw the solstice, which is the natural swing of the suns and the placement of the earth that gives us the longest day in the southern hemisphere or the shortest day in the northern hemisphere or on the equator. Who cares? Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. So but we get more... Christmas time. We get more Christmas time, yes, that's right. Or we get to see more of it or we're awake for more of it. Well, we have more daylight in it because Christmas time in the Northern Hemisphere, Christmas Day is still 24 hours. It's the natural point of the cycle when people in the Northern Hemisphere look forward to a new year. When the sun gets up just that little minute earlier of a day and they think, wow, the worst of us is behind us in the Northern Hemisphere, the new year's to come. But you've also got to remember with the solstice you're going back to winter because the days start to get shorter after the solstice. Because it's the it's the longest day, so it's got to get shorter. The next day has got to be a second shorter or whatever it is. Yeah. And if, if you notice it, I'll give you a dollar a day. <laughs> you mean I'll be rich? <laughs> no, I'll only give you three dollars. <laughs> but it, but that's the thing. We go back we're, after the solstice. We're going back to winter. Oh, we are. We are going back to winter. We could prevent the, it. 
What's we just have to stop our orbit of the sun. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. Or Nobody's else, tried, so who knows? No, no, or else we just let global warming go rampant. Oh, don't that worry. might give us some other problems. We might have to bring, invent new seasons. Mm. Oh, yes. Mm. Now that the Aboriginal people of Australia, they have five and six and seven seasons. They have all sorts of seasons in the Yeah. In the, in the, in the, in so should we community. have swimmer, sprummer? Let's have spring and summer. Oh, we've already got things like cold and flu season and hay fever season. Oh, oh that's well, good. A, yeah. Yeah. We could just that's say this is the hay fever season. <laughs> yes. That's right, Phil. Good on. Good one, Phil. However, when what, would that date, what date would that start on? As though? soon as I sneeze. <laughs> okay. Well, you could almost say that when the first pollen start coming out, that is a new season for a lot of people. It's amazing mm. the number of people that seem to be affected by the pollens. Mm. It's amazing, though, that when you consider that the solstice has been recorded for centuries, where did these people get the idea? How did they work out that it was the longest day or the shortest day? Ah, They had better technology. They had sundials. And you could mark it on the ground and see the difference. Ah, is that how they did it? We did that in high school. And... You can tell when an election is coming. How's that? It's because of all the pollen. So when the pollen count goes way up, <laughs> when your pollen, if you when get your called po- twice a week and asked who do you want as prime minister, you know something's happening. <laughs> They're pollen. Nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> You're in fine form today. Yeah, I'll, I'll burn out in 10 minutes, don't worry. <laughs> One of the other habits that some people adopt or try to adopt round about this time of the year is the creation of a list of New Year's resolutions. And we've all had good intentions in the new year. We'll we'll break this habit or start something better for ourselves. I've noticed that they're so futile, these things. You give up after a week and that's it. I have never made a New Year's resolution because there's, you just keep living your life from day to day and you don't have to change or do anything uh, unless you've got something that you really want to change, like if you're a cigarette smoker and you want to give up or something rather, and you may use that as a as a, a prod, prod prompt. To, to prompt to get you to do it. I've got nothing left to quit. Haven't you? No. Oh, well. So I'll, I'll take up some habits. <laughs> <laughs> I was told that quitting smoking was harder than quitting heroin. Yes. And I asked the doctor if I could go on heroin, and he just gave me this really bad look. <laughs> I wonder why. I don't know. He wouldn't tell me. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. What a doctor. I'd change my doctor. If oh, I were you. <laughs> you would not. I'm surprised he hasn't changed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but people seem to think that you have to do this on New Year's Day to, to start a new year with the... You the, wipe the slate yeah, clean. But see, the Scottish people have Hogmanay at, at New Year. You have to have the house completely cleaned. And yeah. then and then you get the first foot, which has to be somebody dark, come through the door, which brings the good luck into the place. And oh, all my this. God, Father. There's, and the Chinese in the, their New Year, which is a different time of the year. Their lunar. That, their lunar, yeah. <laughs> the year starts with the lunar phase. Mm. Uh, you you pay off your debts, mm. Mm. and you give you give money away. You give you give fake money away as to paying off your debts and all that sort of thing. What I do is when you're signing a form, mm-hmm. I use the next number in sequence. Oh, so I'll go from 2016 to 2017. That's well, my major change for the new year. Oh, that's your that's your New Year's resolution. Well, I'm resolved to do that, and I'll do it. to make 2017 rather than 2016. That's yeah. a good idea, because your checks wouldn't bounce then, would they? Well, no. they <laughs> probably will during 2017, because they're going to withdraw them. What are they doing? Checks. Are they? They're I don't so, know when it last year's so, one. Uh, that's right. They're so old world. 
Well, there's the, a lot of people that, that rely on no, checks. No, I would think that there's not a lot of people. There are some people. Well, Medicare now won't pay you in check form. No. It goes straight into your bank. That's right, yes. Yes, I've had that done twice in the last, in and, 2016. And, you know, it's the, the current generation as opposed to the generation before us who lived with checks. Uh, we, we do our electronic bankings these mm, days, mm-hmm. and that's the way of the world. And also, there was uh, I heard a rumour the other day that they're going to stop, uh, they're not going to have post boxes anymore, where you drop your letters in. You will leave your letters in your, your own letterbox, and there's going to be, a, like the Americans do, have a little red flag you put up if you've got, no. the, if you want mail to be picked up, and the, the, the postie is supposed well, to Well, have you it. ever tried putting an email in a letterbox? No. It's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> but then there's so many letterboxes are locked and so many letterboxes you've got to go the, the, yeah, to, to access open. them. You've got to open from behind. And or think something, of the security. Know. All those yeah. little people yeah. who with light fingers would yeah. walk along. That's oh, right. there's a letter in there. I wonder what's in mm-hmm. it. I'll steal the stamp I, off. I did hear it somewhere along the line that this no. was going to happen. So oh, I well, It's a changing imagine. world. Next year you'll have to get a like prescription the, the, for coding. Yeah, well, they, yeah. Well, last, well, over in America they do that. They always, the, the Americans, you just put yeah. your mail in your letterbox that, and put the red flag up. No, and, but that's, they've got, mm, it's a different, that's not royal mail. Oh, this is, this is royal, is it? Oh, <coughs> God. You've got to have the but, red letterboxes around. But they'll go through the rain, on. snow, sleet and something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they please. don't have mailmen anymore. They have mail carriers. Because yes. they're not allowed to dis- differentiate. Yeah. They can't sexualise. There was the something, we were talking at the gym this morning, one of the women said that there's somebody's bringing in this thing where you don't say wife or husband anymore, you have to say partner. This is going to be the new thing. What a load of rubbish. Well, partners in crime. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Etheridge is going to sing to us, bring me some water. Okay. Oh, to go, in to the go with your scotch? <laughs> something like that. Okay. Okay. Cordial. You're on joy. Tonight I feel so weak. But all in love is fair I turn the other cheek and I feel- Bring you a little joy to your life Joy 94.9 you're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. I'm afraid my little voice is a bit on the croaky side. I don't know whether it's too much lubrication or not enough. Not enough, usually. <laughs> you might have swallowed a frog. Yes. Oh, oh, yes. Okay, then. Mm-hmm. I hope not. But I see a cartoon. A tadpole pole, hope for, <laughs> might be. But I, I saw a, a thing about the, the princess kissing the frog. <laughs> And the next thing, the frog went, <coughs> swallowed her. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I don't Be- know how to process that. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to slip right past it. Uh, Been There, Done That is the show, and the program is about history. And we cover sometimes historical events that affect the world or just our state or our city. Sometimes we feature gay people. Well, that's what uh, we're here for. That's what we're here for, because some of those gay people that have gone before us on, and upon whose shoulders we stand mm-hmm. uh, were ones who have broken down the discrimination that uh, we think we are suffering the, at the moment and which sometimes seems to be recurring. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We, the history battle might repeat. be... History uh, History repeats. repeats itself, yes, and we might have to actually uh, get back on our drums and do a bit more banging. But someone who, uh, uh, let's see, uh, died... <laughs> On the 26th of December 2001, but born on the 5th of April 1929, yeah, he, he died at 72, a, a, a knight of the realm. 
God. And it? it being a night show, and he's a gay man, and it shows that even gay men can get knighted by the Queen. There were lots of them. There Sir Lawrence were. Olivia, Sir John Gilgood. Um, Sir Elton John. Sir Elton John. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know. Oh, is he gay? Oh, well, I think so. <laughs> I think he might be. And, I think he used to be. And the one we're talking about today is Sir Nigel Barnard Hawthorne. Yes. Here's he, well... Yes, Minister. Yes. Yes, Prime he, Minister. He was Humphrey Appleby, the public servant, who was advising the Minister what to do and what not to do. It... Uh, he Nigel, Nigel Hawthorne was a very proper actor, and he studied his his craft under some of the experts. Well, he was a very good, so a very good classical actor, actually. That, that's right, and and mm. his sense of timing and nuances of facial expressions and mm. things like that were were something that in his time on TV here we we relished because the modern actor seemed not to be able to have the subtlety yes. involved but, but in that show the the which the, show the, the the yes minister and yes prime minister yes the the person that was responsible for all, all that were the writers Oh, truly. Because they put the words, and, and how they, how, how he remembered some of those speeches he made when he was, all the, everything was convoluted all around. That's part of the art of being an actor. Well, of course it is, but he had to learn it to start with, you know, and he had to be, that had to be written by somebody else for him to do it, and you know. And wasn't it clever that the writer of that series actually, uh, analysed political situations oh, God, yes. yeah. that are still running around at the moment? Well, they, they, they're the same. They, you've got all these, lobbyists and all the rest of it that are trying to influence people and the people in the departments trying to influence the, the ministers and all the rest of it and it's still happening and it's and a friend of mine who worked in government just he used to just be on the floor screaming with laughter he said this is exactly what's happening with so and so and so and so he'd name people of the current of era of the current era yes, yes. so <laughs> there you go nothing is new under the sun apparently have you ever watched on ABC TV some of their political situations where they transplant the heads of current oh, politics that's on insiders, on, yes, <laughs> on insiders. Now, I would love them to do that with the voices of the yes minister actors, but put the politi- current political faces on. Yes, it's it's so clever. It, it really is so is clever. So clever. And, and but uh, Nigel that- Hawthorne was married. Well, he uh, had a long term partner, Trevor Bentham, mm-hmm. and they were known as. A couple. But they weren't out. But they weren't out. No. But everybody respected them because, well, let's face it, they, they just behaved properly. Someone else who recorded the history of a bygone era but represented it later on, or other people did in film, uh, Christopher Isherwood. Oh, yes. He was a... Uh, he was a refugee from the Strait Society of the US and Actually, UK. He was, he was British born. And he ended up going and living in Berlin mm. in the pre-World War II War. era. Mm. And then he wrote some stories of the life there, the gay life. And those were picked up maybe some 30 years, 40 years later, mm. turned into a movie, uh, oh, which... Uh, a, a stage show, really. Stage, stage show. show. start with, and then it went into a movie, yeah. And we're talking about... Cabaret. Cabaret. And, and the, it's about time that was revived, I think. And the funny thing about Cabaret was that um, the heroine in that, um, I can't remember her name now, but getting... What was the name? Sally Bowles. Sally Bowles. Sally Bowles is only mentioned in one paragraph in the whole book. There it was. They, they, they 
picked her out and they said, we'll make it Sally Bowles, the, this woman that was supposed to be a cabaret singer. Mm. She was playing cricket. She was playing cricket, was she? Sally Bowles. Sally Bowles. <laughs> Fast or low, slow, medium? Spin. Spin. Oh, right. Oh, right. <laughs> Someone who used to live on his wits and on spin was Jedgar. Oh, Jedgar. Jedgar. Jedgar Hoover. <laughs> We we haven't got unfortunately we haven't got um what's name who's that lady Lily Tomlin Lily Tomlin that did the recording of but, uh, Jed Cahoover he was the boss of FBI in the US born on the first of January in eighteen ninety five and died uh, age seventy seven but he. He was um, a he was a he was a nasty pasty. Actually. He was a scoundrel in lots yes, of ways, yes, yes. Uh, and in his private life, uh, he liked dressing up in women's clothes. Well, apparently, apparently. so. But the people are trying to dis- dispel that myth. They say it's a myth that he did this, but the uh, that but would be the Hoover family. The, <laughs> yes, they could Hoover up anything, couldn't they? That's right. <laughs> yes, the um, but, but but he and his lover, who was his second in charge in the police force in, in, in the, the FBI. FBI they are buried together in a plot in Whoa. in uh, Washington, I think it is. They're buried together. and uh, I hear a lot about FBI plots in Washington. <laughs> Do you? Yes, they're always oh, up to something. They're always up to something. And weren't they going to they, – they helped disrupt Hillary Clinton's um, run? No, the they, they accused the Russians of stealing the emails and publishing them. Oh, I see. But didn't they? But didn't the? Well, it was the CIA that did the? Said they had these files on oh, on Hillary yeah, that they were going to release. Yeah, more of that wonderful farce that was an election. <laughs> yes, yes. Did you say farce? Yes. <laughs> Good. I wonder who will be uh, listed in the New Year's Queen's honours. Well, I can tell you three that won't. Me. You and me. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- that's something for us to look forward to, surely, on <laughs> New Year's Day it, after we've had all the fireworks on Tuesday night. Already, oh, they usually have a. There's usually a few gay people in the. Um, they get AOs or whatever for the work they do with their community. Yes, so it'd be interesting to see if anybody does. But it's too too long a list. Oh, it is. You got to read. I gave up. When I didn't get well, the telegram beforehand. I look under W and if I'm not there, I don't worry the reading anymore. <laughs> Time for a bit of music from Odyssey. Use it up, wear it out. Bring joy to the world. Listen to us everywhere. Download the Joy smartphone app. Now at joy.org.au. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my goodness me, we're over Christmas and we're looking forward to New Year. Oh, look, I'm glad we're over Christmas. I was over Christmas before Christmas. Yes, so was I. <laughs> well and truly. I submit, we, had, we, we did have the family thing, which is always very pleasant, just the family, because get there, there's about 15 to 20 of us. Yeah, and the um, oh, you're lucky you got that sort of mob to go. Well, there's there's nephews and nieces and great nephews and great nieces and oh. their. Oh, he's partners. got his preferences, hasn't he? Yeah, there's the plain nephews and then the great nephews. Yeah, well, that's you'll have them fighting amongst each other. Well, I, oh, okay, right, yeah, but they you're greater it, than me. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> my great nephews are all nearly two meters tall. And they're only what eighteen and twenty or something, rather. No complaints about that. No, well, they can see over everything, can't they? And you have to ask them what the weather's like. No, I never do that. One of the birthdays that we 
forgot to mention back a little bit earlier mm-hmm. uh, as an up-and-coming birthday, but we'll do it in retrospect. 27th of the 12th, 1822, another old person. Yeah, but what, um, a, what, a, what a thing he had on the he world. He was born on this day. Uh, who was born on this day? Was Louis Pasteur, the French biologist and chemist. Mm. Now, we recognize him and remember him, hopefully, when we look at milk because it's pasteurized and that's subjected to a heat treatment. That's right. It killed all the bacteria in the milk. Some people I know like to think that drinking raw milk, as they call it, mm. is healthy for you because the heat, the heating process kills off some of the good bugs as well as the bad bugs. But I think the risk is too much. Can I tell you that I was brought up on raw milk? Oh, no! But we had our own heating system because if you left it on the front veranda too long, it got hot. And curdled. <laughs> yes. We, we, we lived in the days when you put your billy out on the front veranda and the milkman came along and delivered it straight from the cow into your billy. Well, I can still remember those days as mm. well, except we had to turn around and cook the milk on the stove and you put this sort of little uh, ceramic something in the bottom of the billy can and put it on the stove and it would stop it boiling boiling over well we just but, drank you know, it straight you you boiled the milk and then let it sit and all the cream came to the top and yeah. it was lovely rich cream we had a different system because i uh, relatives up in charlton yeah and we'd stay with my auntie in the town house Mm-hmm. Which is a house in the town. Yes. Oh. And my cousin would come around literally with the bucket yeah. that had been under the cow. Yes. The cream had risen, yeah. so they get scraped off and That's put right. into the fridge. And there's just enough left in the milk to be like our two percent milk That's today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was always better than city milk. Well, it's as I say, we were brought up on it. And I, when they had all this kerfuffle just a while ago about people drinking raw milk, I thought, well, God, I've, we drank it from the time we were growing up. But it, I think you would also have known the full chain of delivery. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I, I could see it arrive in the bucket and put it in the fridge. Mm. If you're mass producing it, oh yes, you, yeah. you're going to be exposed to bacteria and stuff mm, that that's right. yeah. you wouldn't be in a one-off yeah, situation. Yeah. But uh, Louis Pasteur realised that there was um, they had to do something with the milk to make it more um, healthy for people because there were lots of bugs and things going around, of course. But and would, he pasteurised it, what they called it, heat treatment, as, as Chris mentioned. But it would have all been done as theory. Yeah. Until they saw the results, because I don't doubt they had the electron microscopes, which could actually show you the bacteria. Mm, mm. And I would have been... They would have thought there's something wrong with the milk because it's making people sick. Yeah. And so how, how can we fix it? And so he decided that he would heat it and it fixed it. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting. And if you put chocolate flavouring in, it passes your eyes even quicker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, yes. Who else was... What else... I, I, but his process was not only for milk, it was for other uh, liquids mm. that could carry bugs and things. So that's why uh, some of our water is actually cooked. Yes, well, that's right. They heat it to cook. Yeah, especially when before they put it into uh, canned foods mm. and mm. into ordinary food that's products. Right. Yeah. yeah, otherwise, otherwise it could sterilize. Yes, it. sterilize it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sunlight sterilizes and chlorine can sterilize, but you can't always do that uh, to food ingredients. So you've got to uh, I wouldn't like rely my... on the cooking process to actually pasteurize some of your food products as well. I don't think I'd like my baked beans with chlorine, thank you. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Ham and sauce I... is good. 
Oh, is it? <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, Louis, another, a second Louis from France, this time 4th of January he was uh, born uh, in 1809, was a Monsieur Braille, B-R-A-I-L-L-E. He was the inventor of the raised dot writing system for the blind. But wasn't he a genius? He was only 13 years old when he did it. And and what were the circumstances about that? Well, well he, he injured his own eye, so he was a guinea pig hmm, in he, the process. Yeah, and at the blind school, the... Uh, well, mem- but the thing was that he injured his eye, and then he the infection, infection from went that to the other one, one, he should have spoken to Louis Pasteur, yeah, the infection went to his other eye, hmm. and... He ended up being blind. So, you know, at a very young age, he was dependent upon communication of the written word in other than uh, flat print. But they didn't have anything in the other than the flat print in those days until they showed this army man came along with a series of 12 dots. To They, they used to write during the First World War where they would write um, messages so that they didn't have to yell them across so that no, the Germans no. couldn't hear them. They were, they, were, they were secret messages that were in, done in this code. It was yeah. night writing. It was night writing. So you didn't want to turn on the light to see the yeah. note. Yeah, and then it was just the um, Louis Braille thought, how can I get this better? And he'd worked on a six-dot system rather than 12, and he could do the whole alphabet in six dots. And he was only 13 when he worked it all out. And how could you actually... Th- know that except sitting there and okay there's there's so many options of where these dots can be these six dots and how could you work my goodness be that is clever isn't Mm, it it's it's so blooming obvious now if you use higher mathematics or other uh, devices but for a kid uh that was brilliant it's not in the alphabet he had to work out he had to get one to ten as well you know the numbers one to ten one to zero, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Well, computers had a similar system in the 1970s, which used punched tape. Oh, yes. It was paper right. tape. Mm-hmm. And instead of raising, yeah, you put a punched. hole and shine a light through it, and sensors on the other side would detect where the holes were. Mm. And that was a form of memory. Right. Mm. You could store mm. programs and data. Yeah, but they used to have the, that ticker tape stuff that they that used for years, didn't that they? Was, yeah, that was even was, earlier. That was a That was a punched out thing, wasn't it? Um, it might have been typed because you could actually read that. Oh, right, right. Well, that's the way I've seen it anyway. Yeah, mm. yeah. But it was a bit interesting. Louis Braille at 13 invented that system. Took him a few years to sort of get it recognised. Well, by the time Braille was 15, he had developed the system sufficiently for the use by other blind students mm. at the, the, uh, the Royal Institute for Blind Youth in Paris where he was a student. And it's now used by sight impaired people throughout the world. Now, how has modern technology improved on that? Well, it depends how much sight you have. I've got a, a lady friend who's, who is blind, but she can use a, one of those systems that you get on the computer with very large writing, yeah. and she can see that. Now, is your smartphone smart enough that you can actually dictate in an email into your machine? I think it could if I work and it out. if hmm. you... Can put it in, you can get it back out again. So the recipient, if they were blind and couldn't read that, they should be able to hear it. They had to update the system because nasty scoundrels would frequently throw rice over Braille documents, making them completely unreadable. 
<laughs> Excellent. I like that little. You're a little. I'm full of it. Oh, well, <laughs> information. <laughs> Something else that happened in Paris, 7th of January 2015, right. where terrorists killed 12 people in the office of the French satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo. Hmm. And this was a terrorist attack. In their magazine, they'd had a satirical cartoon of Muhammad. Islam's Muhammad. Well, they showed his image. They, they, you're, yeah. apparently you're not allowed to draw the image of or, or show an image representing uh, Muhammad. It's not like uh, we can do Jesus, and but you can't do Muhammad. And they shot up the place, and of course it brought the whole of Paris to a standstill when they had about two million people came out in, in support, support and of Je suis, Je suis Charlie. George Bush had a war on tourists. Did he? If you listen to his speech, we're going to get these tourists out of here. We're going to fight these tourists <laughs> everywhere they appear. <laughs> these tourists are doing nothing but trouble. Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> 30th of December 2006, the Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein was executed by hanging followers following his trial. And I was most disappointed when I saw a picture of a dictator. Did you? Yeah, nothing like I imagined. Oh, wasn't <laughs> oh, I'm letting that one go to the keeper. Oh. Let's have a banana instead, <laughs> Phil. Okay. Oh, all right, banana-rama. You're on joy. Great shows, great topics, great radio. Joy 94.9. You're with Phil, Chris and Gordon. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. Someone who died recently uh, in a bit of a flamboyant manner. No, no, she didn't die in a flamboyant manner. She was a flamboyant person who who recently departed this life. We're talking about Jaja Gabor, who was an Hungarian lady uh, who always presented herself as a lady. She's quite glamorous, mm. but she went through her husband's. Nine of them, to be precise. <laughs> and... <laughs> Apparently, uh, so the joke goes, uh, each time one of the husbands died, he left her the house. And that's became how she became a housewife. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> she was, she was, she was a part of a family that were very, um, much the same. There was, uh, Eva and Magda were her sisters. All right. And the mother was also a very attractive lady. And she brought up the girls to realize that they had this beauty that says they should use it. Oh. And, and I would say there was a very interesting little side bit in the paper this morning. They said that Jar Jar was, was more Kardashians than the Kardashians are. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yeah. Well, she carried on the story longer. Yes, that's true too. Mm. And someone else who was larger than life, although uh, in a slightly different way, was Marlena Dietrich. Yes, that's right. Now, when when did she die? She wanted to see what the boys in the back room were doing. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> uh, no, she was born on the 27th of December 1901. So if she was alive today, she would have been a, a very old lady. She would have been 116. But no, she died in 1992. And she was... A uh, singer with a, a strange accent, the German accent came through, uh, and she was as fluent in, in English as she was in German, German mm. as she was in English, and she was a 
well-known singer within Germany, but she fled to the U.S. And prior to the war. Prior to the mm, war. Mm. And, and she hated Hitler. And she hated Hitler, but then she started broadcasting for the Americans into Germany to the German troops. Mm, mm. And it must have upset them a little bit to, to have this icon uh, not following the party line. Because she was very famous also as a, as a film star in, in Germany before she went to America. Um, and I, I, I think she was sort of asked to go to America to appear in a film by one of the top film directors in, in Hollywood at the time. Mm. And so she went over to America and, of course, she was a, a huge hit yeah. in the movies that she made there as well. And she set out in her contact with them a form of propaganda. Mm. She propagated and developed storylines. She was the West's uh, Tokyo Rose. <laughs> oh! You know, Tokyo Rose did the same thing, broadcasting to the American troops about what the Japanese were going to do to them. And uh, I don't think Marlena did quite as bad as what that was, but, uh, yeah. But she was she had a she had quite a hit. But she was she came out to Australia, and I have a vague feeling that she. I remember her reading about. Pretty sure she fell off the stage at one stage. Well, she lurched yes. apparently yes. when she was singing the song "Falling in Love Again." Yes, and she fell all right, right out, <laughs> right into the orchestra pit. And where was it at? I the Palais. The, I no, believe. no, it wasn't the Palais. I think it was the Princess. Oh, the Princess. I think she was okay. appearing at the Princess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So sadly, you know, she was another person who'd been in the limelight. And limelight. Then, Why lim- do we call it limelight? Because they used to light the lime in the footlights. No, the footlights, yeah, had lime, lime in them, and they and used to burn it. Used to burn mm. and glow and put out a pink sheen. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Did Made they have it. lemon lights too, and orange? No. Well, no. only if you've got the right medium. Mm. Mediums. Mediums are the things that go in front of lights. No, mediums are people who can connect See you to the spirit world. Well, there you go. No, they're ones that aren't large or small. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> saying last week it was Nostradamus's birthday the other last week, and he was he could see into the future. I bet he predicted his own death. I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on the 6th of January 1912, Australia had its first plane crash. That is unreal, isn't it? To think that not long after planes took to the air, uh, they actually had a real big crash. When you read what caused it, though, they had a 17-stone man sitting in the aeroplane, and the pilot said that it was because of the extra weight that he couldn't keep a plane up. They had a bit of a downdraft or something, rather, and the plane (laughs) finished up down. Hit. They were following a railway line. And the plane hit one of the poles that were holding up the telephone wires or something. It finished up upside down on the train track. None, neither of them were hurt, but he, the part of the, who was a dentist blamed the passenger. So why didn't they actually get hurt? Presumably because they the weren't plane going very was, fast. That's right. And the plane hit the post and then just folded, folded and crumbled. Yeah. So it was a low speed crash. Yeah. <laughs> I think the lesson of the story is if you're going to hit something, Hit a German, not a pole. Oh! <laughs> that plane had actually been built out of the wreckage of the uh, original plane that he bought for what would be $140,000 now. He bought it and had it transported out to uh, from England, and it was in a tent, and there was a storm, and the tent blew down, and the plane 
went over and got all crumpled up, so he rebuilt a, a biplane out of the plane that he'd, he'd got from England. Oh, how resourceful, yes. yeah. That's... Well, resourceful, but something they would have been a plane I would not have stepped foot <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Obviously, a... no insurance th- policy in that one. Well, I have a friend who won't go in a plane unless they've got a toilet in it. It's not big enough for him. Well, I <laughs> would hope they wouldn't go in a plane. Yeah, if you're going in a plane without a toilet, you're making one heck of a mess. <laughs> ah, a big puddle of... Oh well, Terrible we have supplies. nearly forgotten the most great, the most important invention of all time: the drinking straw. For drinking, yes, but hold on, invented? How could you invent it? it something was so basic painted as painted on Tuesday, January third, eighteen eighty-eight. Why was it more than just a hollow tube? Well, they've been using tubes forever because the the ancient Sumerians used a, a yeah. hollow reed to sort of suck beer out of the bottle so they didn't get all the rubbish that was in the bottle with the f- after fermentation because beer's been around for centuries of, as well. Yeah. Phil, you know the story about this man, what he did. He started with cigarettes or something. Well, no, he didn't try with cigarettes, but oh. he took what was probably cigarette paper and rolled it around a pencil oh, right. and dipped it in wax ah. so that it wouldn't get wet. So I don't the, know the, why the, he felt the need to do this, but <laughs> maybe he had a really long glass and wanted to get to the bottom. <laughs> If, he, in fact, he'd tried it without waxing the paper, then he would have noticed that it all fell apart and was very soggy. Who was he? What was his name? He was Marvin Chester Stone. Oh, right. Well, okay. I'm so glad we didn't <laughs> call it like <laughs> Mr. Hoover did with his vacuum cleaners <laughs> or some of these other things. I'm going to get stoned. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> of course, paper straws and waxed paper straws have now been replaced by the ubiquitous plastic yes. straw, mm, yes. which has scrimples in the middle of it sometimes so you can bend it and go round corners. Now, Phil's got a very interesting story about for his first use of a straw? Well, it wasn't my first use of a straw. It was my first drink of a, a cola-flavoured product. Oh, right. And I would have been six or seven years old. Proudly went up to the kiosk at the Box Hill Baths and ordered this cola drink, put my straw in it, sucked the drink up, and I just had a mouthful of bubbles. I was very, oh. very let down. In a non-related Christmas New Year type situation, I remember a time when I was travelling through Italy and I was in the town of Pisa and I wanted to go and really have a look at the Leaning Tower, which I did, you know, a couple of blinks of the eye and I've seen it. But Gordon, you've actually experienced the Leaning Tower. I have actually climbed the Leaning Tower in 1976. On the outside or the inside? Oh, on the inside. And it's a very strange feeling when you're climbing inside because you sort of go up and then you come down and you go up and you come down the way the... you go on the lean. The Wouldn't you be worried that it would fall over when you were on board, like that poor man in the aeroplane? Well, bring the, it down. It, th- th- I always, I'm a bit of a fatalist. I think if you're going to go, you're going to go sometime, and it, where doesn't you're never going to stop it. You but know, if the stores, stairs went up and then down. Yeah. How did you ever get to the top? Well, you, because because it, you went you, up more than you went down. You, can you tell me, as a matter of fact, that it's not made out of pizza? It's not made out of pizza. No, <laughs> it was actually a campanile, which is a bell tower. And oh, they might have rung it. It's in, it's in the oh, field of miracles. Bad vibrations, yeah. yeah. And um, it's, uh, but it took two hundred years to build the damn thing. Oh, they must have lost the plans. I think they There's lost a, the plot. Yeah. Did, Did Quasimodo go up it? I don't know about Quasis. No, because he fell out of a bell tower. That's right. Yes, but and they, they identified him because somebody came along, rolled his body over, and says, "I don't know his name, but his face rings a bell." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Yeah, but, but, but no. 
it, it was open for you to walk through, but it wasn't. They closed when it I, in 1980. Yeah. It was closed in and 1980 and it was opened in 2000. Well, it was still closed in 2001, mm. but corrective reconstruction and stabilisation works were implemented and the excessive lean was, was taken out by actually lowering the, the non-leading side, side yes, the other the, side. The high side, they, they took down, yeah. And then the, the thing gradually straightened up a bit. It still leans. But and it's they say it's now stable for another three hundred years. Well, but I'm not sure whether you could still climb it. I don't think you're still allowed to go up it. Uh, I, I think they stopped people from. Well, they it. might wear out the steps. Well, the steps I can tell you were quite worn. They were you know where people you got that groove in the step where people were stepping. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. He's a real hip cat. This one is touring through Italy with a groove in his step. <laughs> 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 Thank <laughs> you, Phil. <laughs> We're going to finish up on this broadcast with a song from M. Rusciano. And M was supposed to be coming in to talk about her book with me, and she couldn't get in, so we did a phone interview. We we giggled all the way through it because it's such a funny book. So well, oh, that was going to be a, a wonderful Christmas present. So I hope someone did get it because it's well giggly. I was crying with laughter while I was reading it because it was so funny. <laughs> yes. Well, it's time for us to go. We'll leave you with M, but we'll catch you as I say in the, the other year. side. Next year. Thanks for being with us. Bye. All the best. Bye bye. Hello, darlings. This is M. Rossiano, and you're listening to Joy 94.9. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.